Hello everyone, I'm Ronnie McBrayer, and you are listening to Keeping the Faith. On this podcast, you will find my regular talks, the occasional interview, hopefully a little light from the Enneagram time to time, and hear conversations with friends on the ever-changing, ever-evolving nature of faith. If you are burned out on religion, to quote Eugene Peterson's marvelous paraphrase, but faith is still important to you, or if you consider yourself a spiritual exile with no real place of belief to call home, then I have you especially in mind, and I hope you'll stick around. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I just want people to have that experience. Because it seems to me that every person I meet in one way or another is tired as hell. Burned out on religion, you think? Burned out with people, (laughs) their foolishness, our foolishness, our greed, whipped by our challenges, plagued by our questions, beat down by the coronavirus. Not enough money, not enough help, not enough compassion, not a break to be had in this world unless it is the breaking of our hearts or our bones, it seems. While deep within us, we just want some relief. Hey everybody, this is Ronnie and it is so good to be back. Months I have been out of the loop recovering from long-haul COVID, and this is my first talk back delivered first day of August at a Simple Faith Church in Santa Rosa Beach. Thanks for tuning in um, for this relaunched podcast entitled Keeping the Faith. The title of the talk is actually 654321 Part 1, and um, I can't thank you enough for tuning back in, and I hope you find it meaningful. I really do. And... uh, I look forward to sharing uh, a lot more with you in the days ahead. Thanks for listening. And again, this is from August 1st, 2021. My first talk after a four-month break uh, from work and six months into COVID. Thanks. Six, five, four, three, two... One, six, five, four, three, two, one. Six. It was six months ago to this very day that Cindy came home from school with a headache and a dry cough. The novel coronavirus that we had succeeded in avoiding for nearly a year finally found our home. I had symptoms within days. A week later, Cindy made the turn from feeling miserable to feeling better, and I made the turn from feeling miserable to feeling more miserable. Multiple visits to the ER, urgent care, breathing treatments, fluids by IV, 21 straight days of fever, over 100, a few endless nights teetering somewhere between here and Graceland on the other side. I told Cindy that I visited Elvis in a a near-death experience, and she didn't believe me, but I honest to God did. And it was the beautiful Elvis, the young Elvis, the Dick Clark Elvis, in that leather suit on stage, the CBS. 
You know that Elvis? My grandmother was there and so was Mark Twain. But they sent me back. I have a video, I'll not share it with you, of me walking after, me after walking 50 feet to my car and I'm gasping like a drowning man. I did not have comorbidities. I am not obese. I had no pre-existing conditions outside of chronic, genetically determined high cholesterol. Thanks, Dad. I did not qualify as elderly. Not yet. I was not out of shape. I had no indication whatsoever that this nasty bug, this ravaging and rampaging virus would almost do me in. I never dreamed I would have to step away from work, from the world, from the things and people that I love just to focus on getting better. Six months has gone by and it's not over yet. I'm much better, much, much better. Thanks be to God for that and all of you who have held me close in your hearts over these months, but my recovery still has a ways to go because that's the five. I have five enduring, persistent symptoms or conditions and I wish them on none of you. None of you. Get vaccinated, please. You don't want what I have had. I have the aforementioned shortness of breath. I can walk more than 50 feet now. That's good. I can do so many of the things I used to do, but not everything. I have long-term small airway obstructive disease, and who knows when it will resolve. It makes my bronchial region a fire zone, and I carry around this handy-dandy albuterol inhaler like I'm a 12-year-old asthmatic on the, in the gymnasium now. I can collapse into a wheezing heap with little notice. The second symptom that is also related to this is it saddles me with a chronic cough right here in my throat, always ready to voice its objection to dust or perfume, mold, chemical smoke, deodorant, God knows what else. A third symptom, which is the worst, tachycardia. Big fancy medical word for a racing heart. Out of nowhere, one day I was just doing the the great work of consolidating ketchup bottles in the refrigerator. Do you ever notice you have six ketchup bottles in your refrigerator at any given time and they all have about that much in it? I'm just sitting there consolidating ketchup bottles. Who knew it was such a high-stress environment? My heart takes off. No warning, no nothing. Had a small episode yesterday, 100 beats a minute, sitting still, 110, 120, 130, 140, 150, 160. And all you can do is take your meds and hang on and wait for it to pass. The fourth symptom, fatigue. Save me, sweet baby Jesus, in the manger. In fact, that's where I feel like I should be most days. In the manger, sleeping with the baby Jesus. Fatigue is real. And when you have chronic fatigue, you do weird stuff. It makes you strange. I remember when Blaze and Bryce were very young. And I was very young. <laughs> and it was one of, the night, one of those nights where one had stayed awake the first half of the night. And the other decided to stay awake the second half of the night. And dear old dad stayed up all night. It was a Saturday night and I had to be at church the next morning. And so I got up that morning and I put the boys that were terribly young in those uh, buckets the best way I can describe it, the car seat is a bu- it's just a bucket with a handle on it, and you put the kid in there. And I stumble out to the car, I'm exhausted, I'm thinking about everything I have to do that morning, and put Bryce in the car and buckle him up and go around and get in and back out in the driveway. And I'm looking in the back seat, and I'm like, 
there was a kid missing. Yeah, he was on the roof of the car where I had placed him while I buckled in the other one. You can call Family Children's Services now. Statute of limitations has long expired. Fatigue. And that leads me to this fifth and major condition I have. What is it? Brain fog. That's it. The craziest brain fog. I once memorized multiple cantos of Dante's Inferno. In times past, not long ago, I could recite to you the entire upper room discourse of Jesus from John chapters 13 through 17. I could, not long ago, recite to you the entire Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. These days I have a hard time remembering my social security number if it's asked for. Six months, five symptoms, four triggers. It's taken me these months to figure out what causes all of this shortness of breath and coughing like a machine gun and butt dragging uh, fog and fatigue. But I've got them now. And if you are here today and, um, and you have an autoimmune disease, whether it be MS or lupus or something like that, it mirrors so much of the triggers in autoimmune diseases. Number one, overexertion. If I overdo it, it's over. It'll cost me a day or two to get over it. Two, sleeplessness. If I have a bad night, if I stay up late, if I'm restless, the next day is a washout. I'll be putting babies on top of cars and driving over the horizon, sucking on this albuterol the whole way. Three, stress. Now, you know what? I used to like stress. And some of you do too. That adrenaline rush when there's a problem to solve, when there's a challenge to take on. Oh, inject it in my veins. Let's go. Not anymore. And that fourth trigger, you're going to love this one. Well, let's just go to that first. Let's go to the slide, Garrett. Here's a couple from Florida arriving in hell. Nice to finally get out of all that humidity. Heat and humidity is a big trigger. Next slide, please. This is God's kitchen. What are you cooking? Florida, why? I think it's a little overdone. And then one more, come the winner. The phone's for you. If it's my brother in Florida, I don't want to talk to him. And that's the great consolation, isn't it? At least we don't have to shovel snow. And thank God for William Carrier, who in 1902 invented the air conditioner. Or I couldn't live here anymore. In fact, none of us would be living here in the summertime if it wasn't for air conditioning. So these are all these triggers. Six months, five conditions, four triggers, and you're asking yourself right now, what does this have to do with me? Everything. Keeping the Faith is brought to you without ads or commercial interruption of any kind, except for this one invitation. I have friends who are inspired by what they hear from Keeping the Faith, and those friends support my work. But you can support this podcast as well by buying me a coffee. Buy Me a Coffee is a tiny little link where you can throw a few bucks into my tip jar and keep me busy behind the counter serving up the best episodes I have to offer. Simply go to buymeacoffee.com slash McBrayer and you can easily and securely donate to the cause. You can also go to my website, ronniemcbrayer.org and click on podcast. You will find several ways to lend a hand and you can also choose your favorite listing platform, be it Apple, Podbean, or Spotify, so that you will never miss a single life-changing, day-making, death-defying episode. Thank you for being a regular listener. Everything.
Because it brings us to the 3-2-1. You see, my 6-5-4 may be different than your experience, but we all end up having to deal with the 3-2-1 at some point. Sooner or later, and usually more often than we care to admit. The 3-2-1 is a common experience and is almost universally the same. When you come up against something that undoes you, that hurts you, that knocks you off your game, that pulls the curtains back on your vulnerabilities, your fragility, we will respond in one of three ways. We will be deniers, we will be fighters, or we will be learners. First, those deniers. I don't have a long-term health problem. I'll push right through this. This isn't happening to me or the one I love. My business isn't tanking. My marriage isn't in trouble. I'm not an addict. I can handle it. My partner isn't cheating. My spouse isn't dying. Living like this won't hurt me. God won't let this happen to me. On and on it goes. We deny the inescapable reality around us, adding to our denial the ingredients that numb us even further. Drinking, pilling, eating, porning, avoiding, running, magical thinking, anything that keeps us from facing the truth of what our reality is. And then there are the fighters. You know them too. They don't run away or attempt to evade the trouble that they are up against. They are going to overcome it with some kind of heroic, Herculean effort, I'm going to kick this darkness until it bleeds daylight. I will never submit or surrender. I will fix all of this. I will never be a defeatist. And sometimes the fighters even throw in a few Bible verses to feel spiritual about the unwinnable battle that they are fighting. Now, there are a lot of things that you should resist A lot of things that you should persist into until you draw your last breath. But the serenity prayer is brought to bear at some point, is it not? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. Fighters sometimes don't know the difference. I was speaking to a young lady not long ago, and she is an addict. And she has succeeded masterfully in burning her life to the ground. And I was imploring her to get into therapy, to at least go to a meeting, go to AA, see a doctor, check yourself into a rehab. And she said something like this to me. I'm not going to do any of that. I have to overcome this by myself. I have to do this my way. And I answered, I have been doing what I do for almost 30 years now. Do you know how many people, how many young men and young women and old men and old women have said something like that to me? And do you know where those who persist in that kind of attitude, where they are today? They are dead, in prison, 
or alone. Because they are fighting something that they cannot win on their own. And the breaking of the ego that has to take place to say, I can't do this. I mean, fighting might get you to the winner's circle, but fighting can also create a living hell around you. And that brings us to the learners. They are not denying their challenges. They are not fighting unwinnable battles like Don Quixote, tilting at windmills. They are essentially asking a single question. What lesson is there to learn in all of this that I'm experiencing? Frank Brown, God love you Frank, he stayed after me and stayed after me the last year to watch a comedy series on Apple TV called Ted Lasso. Are there any Ted Lasso fans? It's actually Jason Sudeikis. He plays this football coach from Kansas who ends up going to Great Britain and being a coach of a Premier League soccer team. And he's campy and funny and oh, there's just so much. I mean, don't watch it at first with your children, but this is absolutely the best show I have seen in years. There's this one scene, Ted is in a pub, almost said bar, that would be wrong, in a pub, and he's throwing darts, and they're having this big bet, he's talking about being un, un, underestimated and these other things, and he quotes Walt Whitman, the quote is right there, be curious, not judgmental, be curious, not judgmental, that is an actual Walt Whitman quote, the story behind it is this though, in 1861, Walt Whitman went to Fredericksburg, after the battle there in the Civil War, to visit his brother who had been wounded in the battle. And it was complete devastation. It was a living hell. The dead and the dying. The grotesquely maimed and injured. Men that would never see again, never hear again, never speak again. Men that would never regain their mental or emotional health ever again. And Whitman saw this scene And he wrote to his mother, and he said, the problem with this is that we are not inquisitive enough. It is easy to condemn what is condemnable. It's easy to judge it and say that's wrong. But the the lesson is, what are the questions and the curiosity that should drive us to say, why are we doing this to each other? How can brothers take up arms against each other? After all these millennia of living on this planet, can we not heal the diseases of our heart? Can we not learn to live together as God's children? And he finished that note to his mother. We have to learn to be curious. Not judgmental. Ask the right questions so that we can get to the answers. Look for the lessons. There are endless, endless lessons waiting for all of us in whatever troubles that we come against. And if all you're doing is judging it and telling God and everyone around you how wrong you have been treated or how bad it is, you're going to miss literally what God and the universe have to say to you about it all. And that's two. Because there are only two options left when we get to this point. 
I've been asked a few dozen times over the year, and most recently by a dear, dear friend a couple weeks ago, what is it that drives you? Or they might ask, what is your motivation for what you do? Why are you doing with your life, your platform, your time, talents, and agency that the universe has allowed you to have, that God has given you? Why are you doing this particular thing? Now, that's a good question. And we might be wise today for all of us to ask ourselves that question even this morning. Why are you doing what you're doing? What are you doing with what God has given you to do with? Hmm. I've answered that question dozens of times. And while the question comes at me in different forms, the answer is always the same. When I, when I really sit down and take out my pen and paper and my brain fog thinking cap and try to construct, well, what is it I'm doing? Why am I doing this? It always comes back to the text you heard today. Always. It's inescapable. Let's hear those verses one more time. First, from that New Living Translation, Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy to bear. The burden I give you is light. And then that message translation, Anna is right, we do speak more like this. This is Eugene Peterson's translation, paraphrase. Are you tired? Worn out. Burned out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn this phrase. The unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I just want people to have that experience. Because it seems to me that every person I meet in one way or another is tired as hell. Burned out on religion, you think? Burned out with people? <laughs> Their foolishness, our foolishness, our greed. Whipped by our challenges, plagued by our questions, beat down by the coronavirus. Not enough money, not enough help, not enough compassion, not a break to be had in this world unless it is the breaking of our hearts or our bones, it seems. While deep within us, we just want some relief. We want rest. An unconditional love in which we can just sink into. We want a life that is light, that is free, that is unforced, a life of grace. And you will surrender to that life, option one, or you will keep scrapping away trying to do it your own way, option two. And if you take option two, you will never have more than a minute's peace at a time for the rest of your life.
I may never hike the Appalachian Trail again. And it kind of hurts to think about that. I might never play a rough and tumble pickup game of basketball or a Thanksgiving afternoon football game with my sons ever again. I may never reacquire the ability to do those things. I may never get back to the place I was physically in January of this year. Now, I can be royally pissed off about that. I can fight it. I can deny it and act like I'm still some 21-year-old stud. Or, I can say it is what it is. And somewhere in this, there is an unforced rhythm of grace that is calling me to live a different way. And to live a life of surrender. You see, my 654 may be different than yours. But we all end up having to deal with the 3, 2, and 1 sooner or later. When you come up against something that undoes you, that hurts you, that knocks you off your game, that pulls the curtains back on your vulnerabilities, your fragility, what are you going to do then? When no amount of medical intervention, counseling, bargaining with the universe, or begging God will make one bit of difference. When your health isn't restored, your aging isn't reversed, your disease isn't cured, your spouse doesn't come back, your loved one isn't resurrected, when your misunderstandings can't be explained, your past cannot be wiped clean, and all your efforts at reconciliation and meaning making fail, then you live between those two choices. Stubbornness or surrender. Only surrender leads to the one thing. I'll have more to say about that next week. You have been listening to Keeping the Faith, the podcast home of yours truly, Ronnie McBrayer. You can follow me on Facebook or Twitter, whatever your socialization preference may be. At Ronnie McBrayer will get you there in either case. Visit my website at ronniemcbrayer.org, and there you can stay up to date. On my speaking schedule, books I have written, projects just over the widening horizon, and yes, you can find out more about me than anyone truly wishes to know. Thanks to Shutterstock Incorporated, located in New York City's Empire State Building, no less, for producing and licensing my theme music. Bobby Raines provides recording and technical expertise. Tim Riles created the Keeping the Faith logo and artwork. And Land Sunshine on My Shoulder Crow is credited with any and all photography. And as always, Toby and Mo, the two small wonder dogs that run my home, assisted with all editing. I'm Ronnie McBrayer. This has been Keeping the Faith, and I thank you for listening.